My name's Mel Herbert, and he's Tom Wolfson. We're going to be talking about the cars, the batteries, the solar panel, the stock price, the man, the myth. We're going to be talking about everything Tesla. Why? Because we're... Talking. 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 Talking Tesla. Now, uh, you put down here on the show notes for episode 10, which is going to be great, Yeah. Uh, X, and I thought you wanted to talk about the Model X because it's so close to going live. So close, in fact, I bet by the time this comes out, because we recorded a little early, that uh, you'll be able to order a Model X by the time this thing goes live. If that happens, Tom, if it happens, yeah. we'll do a breaking news segment. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. I would, If any of you who are listening to this now have either ordered or gotten an email from Tesla saying, hey, it's time to configure your car, send us an email. We would like to know what is happening. We want to see your configuration. We want to know what your thought process is. If you decided, holy crap, this car's too expensive and you want your five grand back, what's that process like? Because I'll be honest with you, I think I'm getting my five grand back, Mel. Now, let's I'm going to get a check from Tesla. Let's go through this because, all right, so it's on the way. If you get an X and you're in the LA area, please give us a call. We'd love to come and interview you and you know drive around in it. Or um, drive but, it, maybe. Uh, they won't let us drive it, trust me. No, no self-respecting human being will let us drive their car. <laughs> um, but it's on the way. It's imminent. It's pregnant. It's going to come in September. But Tom here- I got a good guess about that, by the way, actually. Go. Give it to me. I think- there's going to be something on the website September 9th. Because of the Apple thing? You think he just wants no, a little no, pissy no, no, thing no, with no. Apple? Because that's when they're going to Elon do- Musk is scheduled to be on Stephen Colbert's second show on September 9th. Did you know that? So this is pretty fun because we get in real time to test how good Tom is at predicting the future. Because we laid down this audio, me and Tom, before the Stephen Colbert show. So he's now going to predict what's going to happen with Elon Musk on that show and then I'm immediately going to follow up with what happened on that show because I know. Here we go. Tom's prediction. What's Elon going to say? So the first week of the Stephen Colbert show, he's having a few tech people. I think he's having the Uber guy on day three. I don't know what he's doing on day one. He may just stand there and burp, which is what we would probably do on day one. Yes. But day two, September 9th. Elon Musk is going to be on that. So what's going to happen? Is he going to drive an X onto stage? Now he's in the he's in the Letterman old Letterman studio, the Ed Sullivan Theater in New York, right? Same theater, new configuration. So there's a street out front. Could they do X drag racing out? They could do so many things. So I'm pretty excited about that, and I think that's the day. Why would he go if that's not the day? That is a very interesting concept based on absolutely no facts. Welcome to Talking Tesla. So Tom predicts some pretty big stuff there, right? He's going to come out on the uh, Late Show with Stephen Colbert on CBS, and he's going to say, yeah, we're doing all this stuff, and uh, the X is now live, baby. Yeah, you can go configure your cars, and it's all going to be great. And then they're going to do some drag racing with some Xs. Here's how it started. This is actually some audio clip from the CBS Late Show with Stephen Colbert. Here we go. Here's how it started. Okay, you've got your finger in so many different advanced technologies. As yeah. I said, uh, SpaceX, uh, Tesla, now you've got Solar City and the solar pack that people put in their houses. Are you sincerely trying to save the world? I, well, I'm trying to do good things, yeah. I mean, saving the world is not... not I mean, but you're trying to do good things and you're a billionaire. I mean, yeah. that seems a little bit like either superhero or supervillain. You have to choose one. 
So they went on to discuss a lot of things. They particularly focused on the rockets, reusable rockets. And once they're reusable and safer, how in a very short time, in a few years, two or three years, Elon's suggesting, that uh, this will be like airline flight. People will be able to go up and down and go spacey flying because they'll be reusable, the cost will come way down, and the safety is going to get improved. So, Tom, did they talk about the X? No. Did they drag race Xs? No. Were you wrong, Tom? Yes, you're wrong. I'm sad. I wanted to see it too, Tom, but you were wrong. Just wanted to document it here. Let's now talk about something totally different. Mm-hmm. But I was on the Tesla forums. Yeah. And uh, there's a thread there that I just found of interest, again, based on absolutely no facts. But yeah. they were suggesting that when the Gigafactory is fully functional um, by 20, say, 18 to 2020, somewhere in that range, that uh, these people who seem smart, although I don't know on what basis they were saying this, that the average battery size by a for a Tesla by then will be about 120 kilowatts, getting you know, sort of the 400-plus mile range. That's interesting, isn't it? That's interesting. Yeah, yes. very interesting. Do you think that that maxes – what do you think it maxes out at as of right now? Like in the current design configuration of the size of the S and the size of the X, like what is – is size has to be the limiting factor, size and weight? At that yes. point, it won't be cost? No, I think cost will be fine. According to the battery expert that I interviewed a month or so ago, and we're going to have him back again – is that there are these improvements, and Elon said it too, that you get about a 5 to 7% improvement in energy density. Mm-hmm. So if you just kept the same battery pack size as they improve the batteries over time, it's going to get more and more energy dense. Now, at some point, because of physics, that will stop. Uh, but Elon thinks uh, that, and actually I shouldn't say it's Elon because I don't really know. Somebody was suggesting they could probably get to twice the energy density we have today, which would be nice. It just so using would, current technology. So that there would be like a 180 kilowatt battery in that sense, which could theoretically give you more than 500 More miles. than 500. Now, that's using current, sort of improving current lithium-ion technology. Yeah. These graphene and these other stuff, this is when we start getting into this fantasy land that we hear about. It's going to be 10x. We're going to be 20x. It's going to be great. Because that, no, that does a lot of things because I guess – Although I guess maybe it doesn't. It doesn't really reduce your energy costs, your electric energy costs, because you're just pouring more energy into a battery. It just improves your range. Yeah, so, it just makes you feel better so that I can drive that. a very long way. Right. On like a you could theoretically, you could drive from L.A., San Francisco, drive around for a day, and drive home without charging. Theoretically, close to it. That'd be pretty sweet. That would be sweet because you know my great concern, the greatest concern of my life now, Tom. What is the greatest? Is not- you know, the world that I'm leaving for my son or my grandchildren, that's not the greatest Hell concern. My greatest concern is that there will be too many Teslas on the world and uh, not enough charging stations. So if we've got huge battery packs, maybe we just charge at home. I got I got something about that, actually. Do you have a number? I don't have a number, but Tesla made a deal with a small, tiny little run-of-the-mill startup you may have heard of called Airbnb. Yes. Right? Yes. And a trillion and, dollar company in its own right. Oh, they're a little. I thought they were just a little tiny thing. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> Airbnb. There's an Airbnb.com Tesla homepage. They're working with Airbnb owners to put destination chargers in their homes. That is amazing. Now you'll have to explain to the people outside the Los Estados Unidos what Airbnb is. Actually, I won't because Airbnb is international. There's really? Airbnb in Europe. There's Airbnb. Just in case, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, let me drop a little uh, Wikipedia on you. Airbnb is a website for people to list, find, and rent lodging. 
It has over 1.5 million listings in nearly 34,000 cities in 190 countries. I had no idea. Founded in August 2008 and headquartered in San Francisco, California, the company is privately owned and operated by Airbnb Incorporated. It is currently at a 20 billion, with a B, 20 with a B, billion dollar valuation. Using lots of web-based and mobile technologies, it basically allows you to rent stuff to people and for people to rent your stuff in terms of a room or a house. And it's really great and lots of people like it. And you get to rate each other. And so if you're a murderer, you only get to do it once because then everybody else finds out. So they stop going to your place because you murder them. And on it goes. It's really been disruptive. I know we're not supposed to say that. And a lot of people don't like it because the usual taxes that sort of hotels and stuff pay to local officials, they're not paying right now. So it's a whole other story. It's very interesting. Uh, go check it out. Airbnb. Let's go back to the show. It's a good way to go to a far-off place and meet somebody, and they'll take you to the and local restaurants you and, and stuff rape, like that. Rape you. No, like I, I believe Pablo hooked up with some Airbnb guy in Costa Rica, and <laughs> had like a really, really nice time. Like met his family, and so it's like a good way to meet people. But but Tesla's done some deals with a few of them, and I looked, and in California, there was uh, fourteen of them. Or on the Airbnb, like local area, there are about 14 of these Airbnbs that have these destination chargers. And destination chargers are the chargers that Tesla's put into hotels and luxury places, Four Seasons, things like that. We've talked about those in the past. Now, is this for just, I want to go and stay in San Francisco, I'm going to go rent one of these Airbnb rooms for the night, I can plug in my Tesla? Or it, is it, it's just another place to go plug in my Tesla, even if I don't go and stay I don't stay think the it's night. another place that you can go and plug in your Tesla, but it there are... The places that I've seen in California so far are a little bit more off the beaten path. They're not quite, mm. maybe not in the same place that there would be a supercharger. So you can get a little bit of an extra destination charge. Not supercharging, it's destination charging. So it's probably in the 30 to 50 miles an hour range. But, you know, that's a, that's a lot for for that's an a- overnight charging. It's perfectly acceptable. So they're not cheap. The 14 that are available right now, one of them is $350 a night, and the most expensive one was about $1,350 a night. But I think it's interesting because it just means that, like, it's to me, it's again, it speaks to Tesla's thought process for its owners. Our owners are are affluent and they like to travel and they like to drive their cars. So let's figure out a way to make their lives a little bit easier, right? You don't want to go and take an Airbnb and like say up in rural Northern California where you're nowhere near a supercharger and you got to plug in and you only get two miles an hour for just plugging into one ten volt or whatever. So this is another option. I think it's pretty cool. There'll probably be a lot more if one of you Airbnb owners who's gone through that Tesla process with Tesla to get the chargers at their house, give us a, an email. We'd love to know what the process was like. I think the people out there would be interested to know if, if I want to be on Airbnb, what, what does it take for me to get a destination charger? You know, I don't, is Tesla paying for them? I don't know any of the details about that. So We will get back to you on that. I think it's a fascinating idea. It's brilliant, and I'm sure you're going to see more of these sort of business-to-business deals as Tesla gets bigger and larger. You know, we have a little uh, company, a little studio here in the Valley. Yeah. If uh, Tesla wanted to sort of give us a bit of a break on uh, Tesla Charger and say, uh, can we uh, stick a little Tesla Charger out the back there and you'd leave, uh, let people use it? I'd do that. If I owned a Starbucks, I'd put a couple of tested chargers out the front. I'd do all this stuff, mate. I'd do it all. 
You do it if you own a Starbucks because there's income coming in. Would you really do it here because that could really cost you a lot of money? I mean, electricity is not cheap in L.A. So I'd I mean, throw some solar panels up and stuff. I'd do it at home actually if I wasn't. Yeah. If I was had a different configured home, I'd be like, yeah, come along and maybe I'd have a tip jar. Could do your driveway right yeah. outside your garage. There's, yeah, maybe you know, tip jar. Here, you want to plug in here? Yeah, you got to go and do some stuff. Although. Probably in suburbia. Nobody's going to go plug it in suburbia. It's got to be where there's something to do. I, got, I mean, it, it makes sense. I mean, there are, again, there are no superchargers in L.A., but there are lots of no, other places. No, there is in L.A. Come on, Culver City and all those places. But not in like – Not in L. Not, spot. not in the San Fernando Valley. Okay, Please. I apologize, L.A., but – Yeah, you apologize to L.A. In the now, San Fernando Valley. here's my nothing. concern. This is going to dovetail. So I like this, these business-to-business ideas. We're going to put some destination charges there. Maybe we're going to start doing some deals with some Starbucks and other places. I don't know if that's coming, but it sounds very good. Here's what I read, Tom, and this was in Autoblog uh, 2015, you know, just uh, in July. Mm -hmm. These two analysts who supposedly know things said that they believe that the current market for Teslas, if they get that number down to 35,000, the current market today for Teslas is how many? How many do you think, using their stats and their knowledges, how many uh, Teslas do you think they could sell in the U.S.? U.S. 300 million people, about 100 million cars on the road, 5 million. 19 million. Night. That's a lot of millions of cars. Did they give an idea of how many of which car they thought would be the majority no, more, of those cars? They didn't go into a lot of the detail. It was just mostly about once you get down to the point where you're getting close to that, what people would buy for a sort of semi-expensive but not really expensive car, the $35,000 range, yeah. given that Tesla is now like Apple and it's a thing that people want, given the fact that uh, it'll be free charging and given the fact that all the other possibilities with electric cars, they think, boom, well, if that's true, where am I going to park? Where am I going to charge my supercharger? I'm worried about the supercharger network. You shouldn't be. I think, honestly, I'm I, I think not that I use it that much. That they may just not have free supercharging available to that generation of cars. Oh, that's dirty. Only the X's and the S's. Potentially, I, even the on cheapies. the website now. If you go to the website today, and I was there today because I was looking at the used Teslas because I'm in the market for a car. As I wanted you know. to talk about that next. Um, even uh, if you go to the website now, it says. Free, long-range driving supercharging. That occurred after that broke in the – we talked about it a couple of sessions ago yeah. about these people who live near superchargers using them all day. They actually went on their website. They changed their little PDF and said, this is for long-range charging. Right. They don't want locals to do that. They want it as their long-distance charging. But, right. you know – Let's not go back. We've been there, Tom. We've right. discussed. Is that okay to say every five minutes? It's free for life. It's free for life. It's free for No, it's not. No, it's not okay. But, you know, <laughs> we've never also, at this point, you've never been to a supercharger that was more than half full. Well, I've cars, been there right? when it's pretty full. Pretty full. Yeah. I've been there when it's pretty full. So Have you could... been there? Uh, did we talk about this? I yeah, we did. We talked about Did it. you wait? I've never waited, but I've had uh, eight superchargers, and there was only one spot left. It made me anxious. And I've seen a lot of reports, and I think it's the one in San Juan Capistrano, which is a very busy place down the beach south of us, that has uh, a lot of people that live near it, and a lot of people are doing it as their charger. Yeah. And so a lot of travelers say, you can have to wait sometimes a half an hour at this place to get it. I wonder, how that increases, <laughs> I wonder how that increases that little number on the Tesla website where they talk about cost of ownership, you know, how they the car is $85,000. But it's really $65,000 cost of ownership thing. I wonder if that actually changes for the people a lot, considerably for the people who only supercharge, don't charge at their house, don't pay one dime if for the If they're driving energy. a lot, it could save them 
a lot of cash. Right. Well, they say it's like five times, so it could be five hundred bucks extra a year. So over five years, an additional twenty five hundred bucks. It's no, no good. more than that, baby. Five hundred bucks a year in. You think it costs you more than five hundred bucks a year in electricity to charge your Tesla? No. No, that, I'm saying that's, like that's, if you drive. We did this these math before last time. If you're driving. 20,000 miles and the cost of gas is four or five bucks a gallon right. you go through it, it can save you many thousands of dollars a year, many. Right, but All they're basing the it, the number that Tesla, on Tesla's website that they're basing that thing on is like- You paying for the electricity. $4, well, paying for some of it, I guess, because they must be factoring in some supercharging into that number. But yeah, it's probably you paying for the electricity. Well, we've done this before, but let's just go through it again because people always ask about it. Let's say that you only ever charged at a supercharger because uh, there was one next door to you and uh, you wanted to do that and you thought it was ethically okay to do that. And you were driving 25,000 miles a year, about 40,000 kilometers a year. That's a lot of miles. If you assume gas prices around four bucks a gallon, then you could save yourself about three or $4,000 per year just in gas, petroleum. That's a lot of money over time. Now, Again, we've sort of said this before. There's obviously a skew right now with the S and the soon-to-be-here X that you have to be sort of well-heeled in order to afford a car that expensive. But when the Model 3 comes along, sold obviously to a group of people who are not so financially independent, you would expect that perhaps now there's even more incentive to use that supercharger network all the time because if you're making $50,000 a year and you just bought a $40,000 car, you're probably going to want to save some money on your gas, your energy prices. And so my guess is, human nature would be, that I would want to use the supercharger as much as possible. That's, again, my anxiety about the supercharger network is going to have to expand because it's going to be really hard to not let people do that. And so this Airbnb thing and having Tesla charges other places is all very good. But I'm still worried about the supercharger network because if you say it's free, people will use it. You said it was free. All right, I'm going to get off this topic. I know you're sick of it. Oops, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Tom, uh, after listening to the draft version of this, said, hang on, no, what I really wanted to talk about was how much money you save by using the supercharger network exclusively versus charging at home. Good point, my bad. It goes like this. If your electricity cost is about $0.12 cents per kilowatt hour, and that's about what it is around the LA area, and we have fairly expensive electricity. You'll have to work it out exactly for how much you pay. But at $0.12 cents per kilowatt hour to fully charge your Tesla, if you've got an 85-kilowatt battery, is about 10 bucks at current prices. So it costs about 10 bucks to completely fill up your tank, as it were, and go about 250-ish miles. If you're one of those people that does this all the time and you drive 25,000 miles, about 40,000 kilometers per year, you will save about $1,000 a year. So the big savings is moving from gas to electricity. You're going to have big savings there because gas is way more expensive than electricity. Although it's dipped down right now, it will come flying back up once OPEC has finished playing its games. So that is the big difference. Now, is there a big difference between you paying for the electricity versus Tesla paying for the electricity? Well, under my scenario at 12 cents per kilowatt hour, which is about what I pay here in Los Angeles, it's not that big a difference. If I go to the supercharger network and piss some people off because I'm there all the time and I'm filling it all the time, and I'm dr driving a lot, a lot, a lot, 25,000 miles a year, I will save myself about 1000 bucks a year. For me, that wouldn't be worth it to do that all the time, unless, I guess, if I live next door. And this is why some people have been really ticked off. Hey, Tesla owner, who bought a you know, $100,000 car, do you realize you're only saving a little bit of money and taking up all the superchargers 
by your daily charging. Again, it's not a zero amount of money, but it's more psychological. I think uh, you feel good when you're getting this energy in your car for free. But the true amount of savings out there, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, is not that much because electricity, at least under the scenario that I've done for LA, is not that much. Now, me personally, it's even less because I have giant solar panels and I basically pay nothing anyway. But there's your scenario. If you drive a lot, gas savings, or the savings in putting in gas versus electricity, huge. The difference between you charging it and Tesla, not so huge. All right, uh, let's move on, Tom. Let's talk about you. Let's it's talk about always me. about you, son. I lost uh, an internal combustion engine automobile last week. How did week. you lose it? They're very big. They're full of oil. <laughs> well, they can I be lost traced. It in the sense that it's end, the bottom end of its engine decided that it was not going to be there anymore. So I threw what they what the uh, the mechanic guy. I threw a lower rod. I don't know what that means. Yeah, to I be honest with you. Did you get angry? You I, threw it. But it's an old old uh, Volvo XC90. Love that car. One hundred forty one thousand miles on it. And miles. now it's dead. I could put an engine in it for thirty five hundred dollars and keep it but it's only worth about twice that so it doesn't seem like the best move we have two mm. cars right now so we're in sort of a holding period to decide yes. yes um like i've been driving actually my wife got a new job so i've been driving the rav for the last week and a half every day uh why is that i love it because i'm doing the pickups the big long commutes to pick the kids ah, up she's from doing school and she's doing a single four mile jaunt parking and a single four mile jaunt home she so no walk. need for the ev yeah, she could walk. I'll let her know that you said that she should walk to work. <laughs> It'd probably be faster on in the mornings, to be honest with you. So me. you told me, and uh, it was upsetting. Yeah. All right. So I think I'm going to get a new car. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to get an electric car because there's just not one that fits you. It's back to the Pablo discussion. Same issue as Pablo. Exactly the same issue but it's as what, Pablo. But it's what Eric Bergeson talked about. You yeah. want a car that does 99% of what you do because most of the time you're just driving you. That's 100% true. Uh, to work and back That's and maybe true. pick up the kids. But you said, like, there's a couple of times a year I take my Volvo, which is a pretty right. you know, mid-size SUV, we'd call it. Pretty big, yeah. And fill that with crap. A lot of crap. And also long-distance driving. So right now we have one internal combustion engine car, a very old Lexus ES300, which is basically like a Camry. There's no cargo space in it. It's not the kind of car that me and my family, the four of us, could get in, put all of our luggage and a cooler in, and go and head up even up the coast for the weekend. It's just there's not enough room in the trunk, to be honest with you, in my opinion, for that. I can't put my kayak on top of it and go down to the beach. I can't get my kayak really on top of the RAV4 because it's very long. So I, I just I can't do any of that. So we don't have the big utility, the utility in sports utility. We don't have the big utility vehicle anymore. And like Pablo, I'm not camping. Unlike Pablo, I'm not camping 20 times a year. But I do use my car a lot. I do events for school. I bring carry things back and forth from storage to the studio all the time. So I do need something that has a lot of room and can go camping a few times a year. It's kind of a bummer. It really is. And there isn't really anything in there is a Volvo plug in in the segment that now that gets has an internal combustion engine and I think from what I read gets about seventy five or twenty five miles pure plug in. On a little tiny mini horsepower engine. Pretty badass little automobile if you happen to have a spare $70,000 laying around. All right, so let's do it. Let's go through it. So, Tom, if I have, if I give you $50,000 right now, Tom, 
And I say Thank buy you. an Thank electric you, car uh-huh. um, to fulfill all these needs that you need. If I give you 50000 you tell me – what do you tell me? Can I do that? Can you do that with $50,000? For just $50,000? For just fifty. That's all I'm giving you. Here's 50000 Go buy yourself an electric car that does all the things you need. No. All right. So if I say, Tom, uh, all right, I'm going to be very generous here. Uh, I had a good day at the pokies, um, the poker machines. That's an Australian term. Okay. Uh, here's $100,000, Tom. Yeah. What do you buy? Wow, that's a good one. I mean, a hundred. Okay, since I haven't seen the X in mm. person and mm. seen like what its cargo capabilities and what like if it's got a roof rack, apparently it'll be able to tow stuff. There's a possibility that that's the car that it's the X. Without being the X, I think right now it might actually be that Volvo because for sixty eight thousand for the base one and it has twenty five mile range, I could you know, I could probably use. 90% of the time, just the electric on it. I don't know how fast it's going to charge that 25 miles. Those, those things are sort of a little bit outlier. But 25 miles, that would pretty much get me to be able to drive my daughter to work in the morning, drive back to work, charge, and be able to do that again. So chances are like that's probably the only car right now that works, that fits the bill, and it has an internal combustion engine. So that, it's pretty exciting. I don't know. Honestly, like... Is the perfect car a car that has a 100-mile electric range like the RAV4 and a gas engine? It, you know, it might actually be. Today. And, well, yeah, maybe the perfect car today for most people is yeah, something like 100 miles electric, gas backup, and cost less than $50,000. Yeah, I think that's probably and, – and has room. You know, there's a lot of people – California, Los Angeles specifically – a lot of people driving big cars. There's a lot of things to do outdoors. Go to the beach, put your surfboard on the car, all the family, the kids, the kids' friends. I mean, I have friends who routinely take four or five kids to the beach. You can't just do that in any car. You can't even really do it in your car unless you have the rear-facing seats, which I don't know how what you feel about those rear-facing seats. They'll work for a couple of kids. The kids like them, but I don't know if you love having kids back there getting smashed so close we used to have those as kids growing up yeah and uh it was fun making faces at the people behind you yeah but if you get rear-ended instead of taking out your rear end you take it out your kids yeah i had a volvo my 240 dl wagon had a third rear facing seats and my kids were in that a couple of times and it was not comfortable Uh, it was not so so that's very interesting we're still in this intertestament period as it were um, between uh, that's a big word, man. Yeah, like what, what'd you call it? the intertestament period? It's the period between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Although, as a uh, Jew, you might think that there's just one testament, but there's some people. In the there's world a new one. It's an intertestament period, <laughs> and the Catholics know all about it. I don't really know. There were some books written in there that neither <laughs> nobody really likes. Well, uh, religious was, talk on talking. Yeah, Tesla. well, you know, you've got to, you know, that's great. Uh, the apocryphal books. I think they're called. Oh yeah. The Apocrypha? Was that period between the two testaments that weren't certified by the certifying body of uh, biblical stuff back in the day? I got those on my Kindle. Yeah, it's good. We've talked enough about you. You've got problems. We don't know what Tom's going to do. We're going to follow this through as he gets, as you know, he drops another rod out of one of his gas cars and he has to (laughs) actually pony up and drop some cash. But Uh, I am buying the RAV4 for sure at this point, just so you know. The RAV4 electric, it's done. I've leased it up to this point, but for sure I'm keeping it. Breaking news. Yeah, for sure I'm keeping that car. And your daughter is going to drive around because it's free. 
I don't know what's going to happen with that. I mean, that's the interesting thing. I did just take her to get her driving permit. Oh, God. God help everyone (laughs) driving on the 101 between where I live and where she goes to school. Uh, No, and and I don't know. Like, Maybe this isn't a talking Tesla topic, but let's talk about it for just a little while, if you don't mind. Please. Are you going to let your son drive at 16, 17? Like, what is the real situation? She is chomping at the bit. She thinks she gets her license at 16. She gets up in the morning, drives herself to school, drives herself back, picks up her brother from school. Holy crap, I don't man. think she's allowed to put anybody She can in. pick up her brother with if she has a note in the car that says she can't pick up anybody who's the not a relative. Says, uh, my parents don't love either of us. Therefore, <laughs> my brother can be in a car with somebody who's probably going to have a crash. Welcome to California, my friend. <laughs> It scares me to death. All right, this isn't a side, it is a rat hole. I grew up driving in Australia on the farm, 12-year-old. Couldn't wait to get my license, got it at 17. Yeah. But uh, statistically, those first few years after you get your license is the most dangerous in your life. The biggest killer of Americans and Australians and other people in the West between the ages of 16 and 35 is car accidents. It is the biggest killer. But a lot of that's not due to just a plain old car accident, right? We're talking about uh, drugs and alcohol being involved in these car accidents. Yeah, because uh, young adults don't do drugs and alcohol. No, but that's what. I'm, but uh, but is that is drugs. that why it's so high? I mean, is it is yeah. it just? Un- it's a dangerous thing to do. Yeah. At a time in life when you haven't got your act together and your yeah. frontal lobe doesn't have any myelin and you can't make good decisions, and you hop in the car with your six best friends and you're screaming and you crash, yeah. it is an incredibly dangerous thing. It yeah. scares me to death that my son, who's just a little younger than your daughter, yeah. Is going to get his license. Who really wants to get it? He doesn't need it. It scares me. That's why the autonomous horse episode, the last one. <laughs> I'm like, please hurry up and get autonomous Make it horses, happen, people. I do not want him to drive. He really wants to be able to drive, yeah. even though he's not going to drive lots of time. Scares me to death. That's why, as soon as Micah can get his license, we are going to go and do an advanced driving course, and then another advanced driving course. I want to get him as much experience about this as possible, and then I'm going to pray. And get him a car that has 80 airbags. It's probably going to be the old crappy van, but I'm afraid. I'm afraid. Anybody who's listened to the show more than once knows that I'm obsessed about a few things. Superchargers, one. The next one is vehicle safety. I'm really worried about it. I'm worried about it because I have a teenage son. I'm worried about it because as an ER doc for 25 years, I have stood over the beds of dead and dying kids way too many times. Driving a car is the single most dangerous thing somebody will do between the ages of about 16 and 35. Driving a car is excessively dangerous. These things are traveling at high speed. It's a complicated task. It's easy to get distracted. It is dangerous. If you add to that alcohol, you are at incredibly high risk. Between 25 and 50% of all fatalities in these young people are associated with drinking. And being distracted and other stuff as well. So I'm obsessed by this from a public health point of view, from a talking Tesla point of view. As an ER doc, I'm obsessed by it. It's dangerous. Let's go back then. Let's talk to Eric Bergeson. Because we talked last time about the autonomous vehicle. We talked about how it's going to change the landscape, basically, of the world. And we talked a little bit about safety. Let's get back into that again. Because I think... This is the single most important reason why we do want to have autonomous driving vehicles, because we can take that horrible mortality, that commonest cause of death between sort of 16 and 35, depending on which stats you read. But in young people, the commonest cause of death being motor vehicle accidents, we potentially could dramatically, radically reduce that number. And that would be good. That would be real good. 
So I asked Eric particularly about his concept car, this sort of single-passenger commuter. Will they have lots of airbags and stuff? Will they be safe? Will they be safe? So just, just inherently, and actually I get this question all the time, is what about the safety with these little tiny vehicles? If you get into a small, single-occupant, enclosed cabin commuter with no airbag and no crash structure and no safety built into it whatsoever except for autonomous control technology, you are at that moment 100 to 1,000 times safer than every other car trip you've ever taken in your life up to that point because the firmware controlling the vehicle is so much safer than the fleshware that used to control it. So the technical, like actual engineering answer is, it's orders of magnitude safer, no question about it. But of course, we're talking about human beings here. So there's also a second answer, and that's the human psychology answer. And that's, do you feel safe? Are you comfortable? That's a lot harder to quantify. It, it, it involves a lot of human factors that are probably more than we can get into on this show. If America and the world were full of engineers and you know, people who just do everything by the numbers, you know, there wouldn't be any controversy about this. But it's not. America is a place where kind of marketing and public opinion and, and you know, things like that kind of have more sway. So, and I'm not the first person to say this, but here's what's going to happen. At some point, there's going to be an accident that involves an autonomous vehicle that likely will not be the fault of the autonomous vehicle. Some children will be killed in the accident. It will become a media firestorm. There's countless examples of this happening in our society where kind of a public relations witch hunt, you know, it's happened to Toyota and Audi with unintended acceleration. It happened to Dow Corning in the early 90s with, with silicon breast implants. Companies can be destroyed by false consumer perception because of our media. It's happened many times. And I hope to God it doesn't happen again. Because again, autonomous technology is too valuable. It can save a million lives a year around the globe. To give up on it, the worst disservice that we could ever do to mankind. There's a TED Talk. You should watch it. It's at TED.com, of course. And the guy's name is Eric Ermsen. He is the head of uh, Google's driverless division. He gives this great talk. He talks about the technologies, how safe it's going to be, about the use of lasers and the use of radars and the millions of miles that they've both simulated and done in real driving that makes it suggest, again, that these are super, super safe way to transport people. Human beings are a problem. We are distractible. It's an issue. But there is this interesting debate because there's people like Elon Musk and others that are saying what we should do is incrementally uh, improve the technologies that we have in cars, that we should have driver assistance, more and more driver assistance, things like uh, the ability to change lanes or uh, smart cruise control or the ability to park you. And we'll incrementally increase those things until one day the whole car drives by itself. It's interesting that this Chris Urmson says, eh, I don't agree with that. We should have a completely autonomous vehicle, and you should get taught how to use it, and then let the vehicle do everything, because anything less than that is simply going to make us more distracted. If I have some adaptive cruise control, and I'm flying down the freeway at 70 miles an hour, it is human nature that I'm going to want to play on my phone some more, that I'm going to do some other stuff, when I really shouldn't. I really shouldn't do any of that other stuff until the car is truly in charge. And so there is this interesting debate, and you're going to hear about it from people like Elon Musk, you know, adaptive systems that uh, get better over time. And the Google people in particular are going to say, no, 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 let's just hit them full on. When is this all going to happen? Eric Ermsen has an 11-year-old. And at the end of his TED Talk, he says this. In the 15 minutes I gave this TED Talk, 38 Americans died on the roads. I want to make sure that by the time my son in four and a half years is ready for a driver's license, that he doesn't get it. And the crowd goes wild and we understand why. So ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we'll talk more about these driverless vehicles and we'll even talk more with Eric Bergeson in uh, future episodes. All right, uh, now let's talk about uh, me, Tom. 
Enough okay, let's you. talk about you. How What's going on, Mel? Uh, here's what I want to talk about, son. Okay. Uh, I'm so excited about the X coming. Oh, I'm number 3,400 and whatever we said. Mm-hmm. And um, I can't afford to have another 100 grand go out to the lovely Tesla man without getting some cash back. Even me, I got a good job. But, Pretty you know, good. that's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Yeah, I did the math on that, dude. The monthly payment is hardcore. I'm just thinking right now, Tom, who can I sell my Tesla to? <laughs> who could I take my S to? And you I've can got sell a, it to Tesla. I've got a whole bunch of relatives, but that's right. I just wanted to make sure everybody knew this. So I've got a number of relatives said, like, when you're ready to give that puppy up, if you give me the family fee, I don't know what they think that fee is, uh, I'll buy it from they you. They see how you live. <laughs> they see your work. Like, oh, you're fine. You're famous. Yeah, no, you'll give it to me for 20 grand. It's not going to happen, family. Yeah, if not you're going to give happen. it to them for 20 grand, I got news for you, family. He likes me more. That's right. Uh, he <laughs> does a I show would... with me. You're just there at Christmas. <laughs> you're dead to him. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, you can uh, sell it back to Tesla. There's a very robust now Tesla resale program. They're going to be a pretty good price. It's a fun little website, actually. They revamp it and they sell them. But still on that site, they're still not low enough for you to uh, jump and drop a – The cheapest one for sale right now in Los Angeles is, I believe, an 80 for around $62,000. That's much better than a hundy. It's a lot better than a hundy, but the math on it, let's just say, okay, so 62. 10% 10% tax makes it about 70. I put 10,000 down. It's about 62. Uh, the five-year payments on that for me, I did the math on this actually this morning, and it was, hold on one second, it was about $1,200 a month. That's a lot of months. That's a lot of <laughs> dollars. I mean – I I don't I know you don't actually see my paychecks <laughs> even though you write them. I don't write them. Um, or you sign them or however it works. I don't. I don't, know. I don't know how it happens. Either. I don't know how it works. Anyways, but like that would take up a lot of them. So that's like that's not going to happen. Like that's it's a, just it's a lot of money. So if you, you extrapolate that out, if I extrapolate that to an X, let's say the X is one hundred thousand dollars. Yep. Stripped and, down. Big. And I get <laughs> and I get ten percent. Uh, off of that because of the $10,000 off from the government, but it's $10,000 for taxes. So basically, let's assume it's $100,000, yep. and I, for some miracle, can come up, come up with 10000 of that. And I got to take out a loan for $90,000. A $90,000 car loan for five years at 1.7% is about $1,566 per the months. That's a lot of money. Most people don't pay that for their rent. That's a lot of cashish. Yeah, so that that's fifteen eighteen thousand dollars a year in car payment. I'm not that guy. I wish I was that guy. Oh my god, do I wish I was that guy? But I am just not that guy. Tom and I went into a long and frankly at times very boring discussion about cars and which one to buy. I've cut it out. It's useless. You don't want to hear about it, except for this part. You got to hear this part. It's about. Uh, what happens when the big one hits the San Fernando Valley? The car that I covet more than anything right now is the 2015 Toyota 4Runner TRD, a freaking beast of an automobile, four-wheel drive, desert running. Like, And I think to myself, okay, let's just say I live in the San Fernando Valley. You live in the San Fernando Valley. The big one hits and all the freeways collapse, right? You're not getting out. If I got my TRD Pro... Bye bye. I'm gonna drive over whatever, and I'm getting out of the valley. There, I will not be, I'll be waiting. Dead. I'll be screaming, "Tom, come right. back!" And you'll just be like, "Sorry, right. bro." I'm That's a here. ridiculous reason to buy a car, and I totally know it's a ridiculous reason to buy a car. So, 
I'm here every week advocating electrical cars, and even I'm torn. That's why this is such an interesting conundrum that we're in right now, and it's going to slowly become easier. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, that's a way of time for his name was Tom Wilson. My name is Mel Hubbard. Hey, Tommy, you happy about the uh, opening? You're all in there oh, now. It's been a couple of episodes. I'm very happy about that. People stopping me on the streets. Totally. Just being like, now we know it's you. Now we know you have something to do with it. It's good times. You know what else I like about this particular episode, Mel? What? We weren't at odds with each other. No, I really felt that it was way more boring because of that. <laughs> no, I thought that it felt like we've sort of... We've changed. We've we've healed our differences on some things, and we just we decided right, to. I can be a fix little... that. You ready? Watch this. Hydrogen. Oh, oh, oh I don't like hydrogen. Because we're talking, 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 which, as you know, means technically you can get a piece of save. All right, Herb, out. You know why? That was pretty good, right? Yeah, it was all right.